0: What was the thing we said we were going to record about?
1: Objective-C retrospective.
0: No, there was something else that we said right before that this that we thought was going to be... Or that I was like, oh yeah, we, clearly we should do that. Yeah. And now I've forgotten it. Don't know why. I had a meeting at 8.30 this morning that I had to get up and be downtown for.
1: Oof, Maybe that's, that's it. brutal.
0: Yeah, that was right. <laughs> 8.30, my life's really tough.
1: I mean, it's early, man.
0: <laughs> not Invented Here. Do we still disagree about Not Invented Here? I don't know. Did we ever disagree about Not Invented Here? I feel like in the episode...
1: Should, this should be the show.
0: <laughs> I guess this can be the show.
1: <laughs> Hello and welcome to Fatal Error. I'm Seroosh.
0: And I'm Chris.
1: And uh, if you haven't already been able to tell from the pre, pre-intro pre <laughs> <laughs> little... What do you call it, a Stinger? What do you call that? We're going to try to talk about Not Invented Here today. Yeah, we did a little bit of we did a little bit of stuff on not invented here with our friends on the runtime podcast, Caleb and Sam. But I mean, especially lately, I feel like I have been running into this more and more, and I just can't tell if I'm crazy or if well, um, I'm the only sane one. So you okay. know, this is going to be my weekly uh, weekly therapy session of programming. Um, okay. how, how, how are you doing, Chris?
0: <laughs> I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I. I mean, we're recording this a little bit in advance, so this may not be totally accurate when when everyone hears this, but I had a, a relatively boring week at work with sort of a lot of um, project management sort of work and getting acquainted with the code base I'm going to be working for the next few months. So I haven't done any really interesting programming things for, uh, for the better part of the last week. So I'm... Uh, really going to lean on you here for interesting <laughs> programming things. So if, if I had to guess, I would say this not invented here topic idea is coming from you because you are currently, uh, or, or you're writing an app in objective C. You've been rewriting your promises implementation in objective C. You've been hesitant to use third-party libraries in this app for reasons that we discussed in a previous episode, which we'll link in the show notes. Yep. Um, is it, am I right in guessing that that's why this is on your mind?
1: Yes, that okay. is a big part of it, but also um, there's more to it. I, I sometimes feel like I impose these constraints on myself because I am so not invented here rather than the other way around. Like, I don't think this is necessarily the wrong call for this app, but we can make this app work if we did have dependencies. Um, but it, it shows itself in other places, too. So, like, um, in uh, for the Beacon app, Uh, for the server side, we needed the ability to talk to Twitter. And there was code that existed to, like, talk to Twitter and, like, do the OAuth stuff. But instead of using it, I, like, basically rewrote it. And I don't know if that was a good use of time. Um, At the time,
0: I think you had a good reason for rewriting it, right? Which was that the code that you found didn't
1: work. Yeah, I think it didn't compile on Linux.
0: I'm remembering that correctly, right? There was something, I think so. It didn't compile on Linux, or maybe it wasn't compatible with the current Twitter API, something like yeah.
1: that. Yeah, I think it was compatible with the Twitter. I think it was the Linux thing. And then also, like it made assumptions about what form you wanted the like callbacks in, right? And I wanted synchronous code, and it all assumed asynchronous stuff. And um, I was like, well, really, the only thing I care about in this is I care about the OAuth um, signature generator, um, but also the way that it was written like didn't allow you to easily pull that out. So I pulled out the, car- the parts of it that I thought were important, built an OAuth signature generator, which I should actually really open source because I think it's um, a nice, concise piece of code.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure, I mean, if you had to write that, I'm sure other people will find it useful too.
1: Yeah, definitely. And even for understanding, like, okay, how does OAuth really work? You could look at this code, and I think it would give you a pretty good picture of it. Or another example from from very long ago was uh, when I was working on a back channel API that also didn't have any dependencies. The excuse then was that I couldn't bring in, let's say, Alamo Fire or whatever to do um, network requests because uh, I couldn't impose those third party dependencies on somebody else when I'm already imposing my, my own self as an SDK. Um, yeah.
0: I, yeah, I, I mean, I think that's reasonable. I remember yeah. discussing that with you at the time.
1: Yeah, I think it was the right decision too. Um and I'm glad I'm glad that I did it that way. And so one of the things that I ended up doing was I wrote a multi-part like request builder is what I called it. And we can look in the show notes because the, the back channel API is all open source, so people can actually go look at that code. But yeah, so I, I wrote like a multi-part thing. And both with the multi-part thing and the OAuth thing, I feel like I now actually understand how they work and why they are the way that they are because I wrote a version of them. And so that seems important, but also like your time is very valuable and like why waste time, like figuring out some technology when you could just, you know, use somebody else's code.
0: Well, I think, yeah, I I mean, that's a really good question. I think maybe a better way to phrase that is how do you figure out how to balance what is a waste of time and what is a valuable like learning experience or a valuable um use of your time to produce some library that you need.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good way. And I, there are metrics.
0: It, like, it's not necessarily a waste of time.
1: Right. Um, you're not going to pull in, like, I needed map in Objective-C. You're not going to pull in a dependency for that. It's not going to happen. But on the other hand, like, you're not going to rewrite UIKit. So there has to be some heuristics somewhere in the middle there. Although, you know, some people have been known to rewrite yeah. UIKit. Crazy as they may be. Um...
0: Shout out to, uh...
1: Going full Bricker, oh.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Shout out to Letterpress.
1: Yeah, that's right. So I think there's there's definitely a balance, right, somewhere between Map the function and UI kit. But I just and like there's heuristics you can use to like try to figure out what that balance is, right? Like, um, do I want to learn the underlying technology behind this? How complicated is this thing? Um, is it proprietary? Like, c- could I even write it if I wanted to? Is it? Uh, a lot of work for very little benefit. Um, what exactly is the benefit of writing it yourself? I per- I personally enjoy like the control over writing exactly the interface that I want, um, knowing exactly the code, the implementation that's in there, knowing that there's no weird swizzling or anything like that, which a lot of these third-party SDKs will do, especially for analytics stuff.
0: Yeah, especially with some of the like analytics SDKs and SDKs from bigger companies or SDKs that try to do a lot of things for you. You do... Have to look very carefully at the code and see like really what's what's happening under the hood,
1: yeah, and you, you can't just trust them, you know
0: right. And maybe sometimes you can't look at the code in which case that really is something to to weigh in your decision,
1: yeah and there's this um, there's this quote that like truly haunts me about this stuff. and I'm not sure if you're familiar with will Shipley. he's like a person in our industry, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. he writes on his blog about John Carmack, the guy that made Doom, he writes, Carmack codes with a complete picture in his head of what parts he needs to make a whole. Back then, with every generation game engine, he'd start over from scratch. I mean, really from scratch, not namby-pamby. I rewrote some of the code and called it Scratch. Since his engines ran on a variety of machines and OSs, he wrote every damn function himself. Carmack needs to log something. Carmack writes a logging function. New generation of engine. New logging function. Everything from scratch. Because I was young, super anal, and then wasn't on SSRIs back then, I once asked Carmack why he didn't use libraries (laughs) for common... why he didn't use libraries for common functions that he could share between engine revisions. Carmack's a super nice guy, but uh, on this one instance, he used the, well, I think my methods work pretty well defense, and I never suggested coding style changes again. And and then he says, um, you know, in case the first concern you have as well, that just means John Carmack's code is completely impenetrable, right? Like, nobody could read this but him. But Wilk goes on and he writes, don't take this to mean his code was spaghetti. It was actually some of the easiest to understand code I've ever worked with. It almost had an indescribable quality of obviousness. Like, you know when a really good teacher explains something, it seems obvious? That's what his code was like. Hmm. So, and I just, like, always fall back to this this quote and it, it, I don't know. I'm, I'm stammering.
0: So, are you more in the Carmack camp here? Of you're going to write the stuff yourself because it's clear and you understand it, and it works exactly how you want it to.
1: Yeah, and like you know, maybe the first time you write it is going to be kind of hard, but the second time, the third time you write it, you're just going to, it's going to pour out of your fingers. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I don't want to be self-aggrandizing. I'm not John Carmack, but like. <laughs> There is clearly some precedent in the industry for someone who is a very good programmer who doesn't use libraries like that. One other potential argument here is that if you're writing something that you know how to write, you're not really thinking about it actively, which means you can be thinking about other stuff while you write the code, and by the time you get to the next hard thing you have to write, you've already thought about it, and you can continue writing code, and you can maintain some sense of momentum. Um, while you program. That's a feeling I've had sometimes, which has been kind of nice, but I don't know if that's quantifiable.
0: As opposed to just, um, like, taking a break from coding entirely to think about and plan the next, like, hard thing that you're writing.
1: Yeah, and then you lose the momentum and you're done. So, like, you do pod install to install your Twitter thing for your OAuth, and then you're like, okay, well, how do I use this thing? Go read documentation, go figure this stuff out, go figure that stuff out. Eventually, you figure out how to use the thing, but you still don't know what exactly you want to do, and then you're like, I... I, like, I'm stuck. And so maybe you, like, go for a walk, go take a shower, come back. If you work from home, you can take a shower. Um, <laughs> uh, otherwise, in office, I mean, some offices have showers. This is a tangent. Uh, but then you basically, like, lose that momentum. And I've 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 felt that sense of, like, it's almost like flow, but you're, like, filling in the spaces between the flows so you don't slow down. And that can be kind of nice. But I don't know if that has anything to do with not invented here or, like, just writing code that you're comfortable writing.
0: I mean, I think that it may be more the latter, but that seems like a valid point. Yeah. So, when, this is what I was getting at at the beginning of the episode when I was trying to remember whether we agreed or disagreed. And I think that we, maybe not disagreed strongly, but definitely tended to fall on different sides of uh, of this coin. Um, especially, so when I was like working the times and doing... Uh, you know, iOS development professionally, like we used a number of, uh, of third-party libraries. Uh, some things were bigger and a number of things were really pretty tiny for a variety of different reasons. Um, there may be like business requirements that we integrate with such and such analytics SDK, in which case like we can look at the code and review it and um, maybe go back and say and, and request that the vendor fix things that, that we find that seem sketchy. But that's hard to argue with the business requirement there right right um that that maybe is something that you run into more at a bigger company rather than uh more more than you would like working for yourself or working at a startup Mm -hmm. and there's just an argument that like in a lot of cases i i do feel like my time is better spent thinking about and and working on the like problems in that are unique to, to our business, to our domain, like to the problem that I'm actually working on rather than reinventing, say a logger, which like have been written and there are loggers that work and maybe even send things off to cert like as an external server as a bonus. Um, I don't know. That's just not, it's not interesting to me. It's not something that I think is really worth the time of, um, my time or the time of some other engineer on my team who could be doing something that is unique to our requirements right like it, obviously it's still a balancing act right there's still times when um, you know you, you do take the time to review code uh, that goes into the app we took time to review third-party libraries that went into the app and decide based on things like how complicated is this code? Do we understand what's doing? Uh, could we maintain this if we wanted to, or if we had to adopt this? Like, can we um, can we use this code at least long enough to, to rewrite something for ourselves? If this project gets abandoned, is it is it good code? Is there documentation? How big is the community around this library? Are there are there people using it? Does it seem like it'll be supported? There, you know, any number of questions like that to... To look at, but uh if the answers to most of those questions are positive, like um, eh, unless it's something that really is small, if you're gonna save time by by pulling it in, I feel like developer time like my time is is really valuable
1: <laughs> right right yeah it's and it's interesting because like everything you said, I don't disagree with any of it, but I think there are cases where Someone with the perspective that you have would pull in a library and someone with the perspective that iPad that I have wouldn't even if they don't disagree on the sort of qualitative yeah. um yeah. No, oh, surely. Right. On the qualitative idea that like, well, developer time generally is important. And like um the the reviewing SDKs thing is actually super interesting too, because that's something that the Times does that almost nobody else does.
0: Well, is that somewhere that's something where the Times is unique that uh either you know if there's some analytics company for example um then if it's a closed source sdk we may be able or they may be able to get the source to it where where most other companies can't and may be able to have some sort of like communication loop with that vendor uh even whether it's open source or not
1: right they want the times as a client and
0: right yeah and um You know that that there like I think varying levels of uh of usefulness that that communication loop has depending on the exact circumstances, right? But uh, no, you're you're definitely right to call that out. Um, But again, if it's a closed source SDK and your like uh, your your managers or your like uh, C level says that you know we're we're integrating with this analytics company, even you know say you're even at a smaller company. In that specific case, there's not a lot that you're going to be able to do besides, like, uh, you know, try to isolate it in your code as much as possible. Use a facade pattern, right?
1: Yeah. Um, Even at small companies, there are sometimes relationships that exist that make you use an analytics thing that, you know, you you don't have a decision about. There are, um, like, if you use it on the web, you're going to be using it on the client, like the app as well. Like, it's just, in a lot of cases, you just don't have a choice. Yeah. Like, I don't think the size of the company has that much of an effect on it.
0: Yeah. But so maybe let's think about something other than hypothetical analytics SDKs, right? Yeah. Think about and, uh, a-
1: analytics is actually one case where I probably would bring in an SDK just because I don't want to reimplement um, like every endpoint that they have. Like, what's the point?
0: Yeah, um, that's a boring thing to reimplement. Yeah. But I mean, even thinking about maybe some UI component, right? Right. That's something that is. Significantly higher risk because uh, you know that there tends to be more complication there, more complexity there, uh, because you're dealing with UIKit. There tends to be more mutable state there, there, and it's something that the user sees and interacts with very directly. Uh, so that's something where, I mean, I still will pull in third-party UI components, but after. Looking through the code, making sure it seems reasonable, and, I mean, testing to make sure that it, it feels okay as a user, like, that it that it makes sense on the platform.
1: Right. Do you ever worry about, like, okay, if I want to change this thing, I either have to fork it, make changes, and deal with, like, a really annoying cycle of how to change things, or I have to submit a pull request and it has to be accepted. Um, do you ever worry about that stuff? Like, Yeah, definitely. Business requirements, not even business requirements, but just, like, things change. And that's like the one...
0: The one constant.
1: Yeah, it seemed <laughs> cheesy, but that's what I was...
0: Um, oh, I'll dive right in for the cheesiness. No, I mean, you're you're absolutely right. And the, I think a few of the questions that I mentioned that I, I think you should evaluate if you're looking at some piece of third-party code are, are really important here. Those questions are like, what sort of community is around this it, is around this piece of software um and and what sort of support is there is there activity on the project do pull requests get merged or just sit around does the code review process seem really overly burdensome uh or maybe on the flip side is it way too easy for someone to get code merged in (laughs) um yeah and and is this code that you feel like you or your team could uh could fork and support if um, if you had to, maybe just temporarily to add something while you're waiting for it to be merged upstream. Right. Or maybe long-term if the project is abandoned or if you, you have to diverge for business requirement reasons. Like, if it's something where you won't be able to adopt it and if the project is abandoned or you have to make some small change, you're going to end up rewriting it anyway, then it's probably not a good choice to bring it in. But if it seems like it's something you could probably build on uh, if if requirements change then it's uh, in my book it's probably a, a good move to at least think about bringing that into your project
1: yeah yeah I mean I just like it, listening to you I'm just like thinking about all the horrible ways it could go wrong when you take a library like that you're, you're assuming that any way that you would want it to change essentially has to be an option in the library like it has to be coded in as like something that's parameterized and
0: well, or you'll code it in and send a pull request. And how's that different from code that you wrote that like, didn't anticipate this use case? You're going to end up going in and, and changing it anyway, then.
1: Right. But changing the code that you wrote is easier one, because you wrote it, two, because you have access, like the code is in its original state. It's not like an artifact of something else. Right. Like when you run CocoaPods, you're, you're really making a copy of a reference that's somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And if you mutate that copy, like uh, it's going to get blown away later. Um, so you have to ch- go change the source or change what the source is, a.k.a. either open a pull request or uh, fork it to your own thing. And so changing yeah. is much, much harder than changing your own code.
0: Yeah, but you're not going to have to do that for, uh, in my experience, probably even the, the, maybe not the vast majority, but the majority of dependencies that you pull in, you probably will never have to touch. Yeah, And, like, we'll never have to change in that way.
1: There's cases for things that are definite wins. Like, I mean, I wrote a promise implementation because I'm crazy. I probably (laughs) will write a reactive implementation because I'm crazy. But I think that's a really good example of something that, like, you really shouldn't. Like, that's where I feel my own ideology falling apart is, like, I know now from writing a promise implementation that there's so many weird edge cases ordering bugs just like things that you would not think
0: synchronization bugs yeah. in your in your eventual like reactive programming implementation
1: yep all of it and there is a lot of things that go wrong and it's a it's designed to be flexible so i think like that's something where like okay pulling the pulling the um uh pulling the the library another thing there is there's a decent amount of documentation for existing reactive libraries where there might not necessarily be a good amount of documentation for like this, you know, global spinner or whatever pod that you're yeah. going to pull in. Yeah. Or like custom alert view library, just won't have as much documentation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, one thing that I, that I do find interesting is I have no compunction <laughs> with going to GitHub, finding something that I like and copying the code out of it and like making it my own. That's something I do actually pretty frequently.
0: Okay, well, that's...
1: I'm basically adopting that piece of code, and that actually resolves a lot of the concerns I have. One, it's, it's still easy to change because it's not artifact-based. Um, two, I now know how it works because I've messed with it enough and rearranged it enough to where I understand what each component is doing, which I think is like important to know how to like change and fix stuff. It also gets some of the benefits of I didn't have to write every single part of it. I just had to write some parts of it. So that's that's basically like how the OAuth thing happened. Is I like looked at how something else did it and modified that code to make it look the way I wanted it to look, um, and it can match your coding guidelines, style, spacing, variable names, everything.
0: Well, that makes sense. This sounds like kind of a a, me, a medium point between uh, yeah between yeah
1: yeah. It's it it is a nice thing too because like with with the OAuth implementation thing was particularly interesting because. There was a reusable component hidden inside of there that I wanted that I couldn't extract, and and doing this this thing of like basically adopting the code and making it your own makes it so you can extract that third uh, or that that like reusable part in the middle and then reuse it elsewhere uh, without having to like write the whole stack yourself. And 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 you know one other part of this is maybe it's just a taste thing. You know, some people like two spaces for tabs, and some people like four spaces for tabs, and they just have sensibilities, and they have—or spaces and tabs—is a bad example. Um, A better example would be like, you know, maybe small classes versus big classes. Although it seems like there's a right answer there and a wrong answer, but basically, like people have seen bad things in their time, and. They're trying to avoid those bad things.
0: I mean, it may be like spaces and tabs where just it's, there's, you can make arguments on either way, but it kind of falls down to a personal taste or a personal balancing of... um,
1: Right, but it's more intense than spaces versus tabs because it's not just graphical or just an appearance. It it does actually have functional ramifications for how you work with your code.
0: I guess so, yeah. So...
1: I think it would be more like Functional versus OO or something like that, where they're both good. They're both they both can no, do everything, but
0: they're not that. It's not that big a fundamental difference, though. I think
1: it can be. Yeah, I think it can be. If you go into a code base where it's like a ton of pods and a ton of glue code, working in that code base is very different than um, a code base where it's a bunch of really really small components that. Um,
0: even if those components were copied in from uh, from various GitHub repositories,
1: yeah, but all matching a style. I'm granting that,
0: you know, uh, maybe, maybe. I don't
1: know. I don't feel super strong about the arguments I made here. I don't know. I just, I, I just see myself acting this way, and I'm trying to rationalize it or explain it or, 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 like express it to someone else, and I, ha- I have a very tough time with that with this particular thing and I don't know why I don't know what it is
0: yeah and I'm I mean I know where I stand on this where I fall on the personally on the sort of balance that we've discussed mm-hmm. but I mean I've given you my, my arguments and I don't think there's a right answer here I think this is just um, these are our, our yeah
1: maybe personal, it's just taste yeah yeah I wish this episode had a better conclusion Chris
0: yeah me too but uh well next time i see you in person we'll we'll fight it out we'll, yeah. we'll arm wrestle and and resolve the question that sounds
1: good of not here. bring your boxing gloves man it's gonna happen uh i'll have to buy boxing gloves <laughs> um i and i think like if we worked on a project together i don't think we would fall that far apart in terms of like when to pull in a third party dependency and when to not
0: no i think that we'd probably get along pretty well um yeah,
1: yeah. Which you know we've never worked on a project together, Chris. Isn't that crazy? that's true?
0: We haven't. Yeah, there were uh, there have been uh, a couple times. I feel like when we almost did, at least in some capacity, but hasn't actually <laughs> happened.
1: Yeah, yeah. So maybe that's something cool for the future.
0: Yeah, someday. Yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll, we'll make a Fatal Air app that includes a, a bunch of analytics around uh, what our <laughs> listeners.
1: Are doing. Every analytics <laughs> library is going to be in there. It's going it to be is- great. Yeah, they're all going to swizzle UI application send event, but and only
0: but only analytics libraries. Everything else we'll, we'll write ourselves. <laughs>
1: that's that's exactly right. <laughs> that's exactly right. Uh, um, yeah. On that note, uh, it was good to talk to you as always, Chris.
0: Yeah, it's great to talk to you. I'll, I'll look for boxing gloves on Amazon here. And, Perfect. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to you later.
1: <laughs> yeah, talk soon.